Welcome. Welcome to Freedom Church. Welcome everybody that's on the internet. We're glad that you're here. God is, is so good. It, it, just, it just wrecks my heart man, to, to know what God has brought me personally out of and what, what God is bringing each of us out of the, the, the muck and the mire. And You know, we are a blessed people. We are a very blessed and favored people. And, and, and all through the word, we can see that, that people who, who draw close to God, that he just pours out his blessing and his favor on. Each, each and every one of us that, that draws near to God, God draws near to us. And he wants that closeness with us. And he wants us to, to get emotional for him. Sometimes I get a little too emotional. But that's okay. God likes that. But we're, we're, a, we're a blessed people in, in, in so many different ways. And we're, we're set apart for his purpose. Even, even just the American people. We're, we're very fortunate and blessed. And, and, and as I was preparing the message, I was thinking about how Daniel was in this land where he didn't have these, these big buildings to come and worship in. And, and, and he didn't have all the, all the places that were set apart for him to practice his faith. But he had to practice his faith in, in a very pagan land. A very non-welcoming land to his faith. But he lived out that faith. And, and you know, watching, watching Leanne get up here and stepping out of her comfort zone and realizing that it is easy for us to practice our faith in these buildings. And it is easy for us to practice our faith in small groups. And it is easy for us to, to open up about our faith and talk about Jesus and celebrate recovery. But it's not easy to get up here and step out of our comfort zone and move forward. And, and it takes a lot of prayer and drawing close to God. I, I think that everybody who steps out of their comfort zone, who is a Christian, draws near to God and closer to him and closer to his heart. In the book of Daniel, where Daniel was at, it was the Babylonian Empire and the Medes and the Persians had just came and taken over. And Daniel was very marginalized in his faith. And we haven't experienced that much here as a, as a group, especially in the South. You know, there's church buildings on every corner. You don't have to go far to find a, a cross in somebody's home or an open Bible or somebody who you can call to, to get prayer, to talk about Jesus. But in, in Daniel's time, it was very marginalized. And I, I've had... I, I've been able to live out my faith in one place that, was, that I was marginalized. And... Um, I guess most of you know that, that I'm a drug addict in recovery. I've recovered from the hopelessness and the obsession of drugs and alcohol. But for a long time, that was all that ate me up. And I, I went through a drug treatment program, and I went through AA, and I worked the 12 steps. And this is a, a three-year coin. I've, I've got a one-year coin that was given to me. And on it, it says, to thine own self be true. And I looked at that coin, and... And in places like AA, I love AA, I love the 12 steps, but they tell you not to talk about Jesus. And I, and I looked at that coin and it says, to thine own self be true. And I started thinking about that. What, is that. what does that mean for me to be true to myself? What does it mean to even know my, who am I? What, what does that even mean? And I started thinking about integrity. And, and I looked up the word integrity and it comes from a, a Latin word, integer, which means wholeness or completeness. And so for me to be true to myself I have to talk about Jesus. Even, even when I feel marginalized, even when I feel the pressure and the heat of people 
who, who are trying to silence me in my faith. I have to talk about and, and live out that faith. For me to live with integrity. And, and God, God will use the pressure and God will use the heat to help us become more whole, more complete, more, more one with Him. I started looking up a diamond. And, and I thought about a diamond. And a diamond is basically different carbon molecules that through pressure and heat are smashed together. And they make the, the hardest the hardest stone that we have here on earth. There's one other stone that comes in from a meteorite, and it's a little bit harder than diamond. But here on earth, the diamond is the hardest stone. And God will use the pressure and the heat of life and our circumstances and our hard times to mold us into this one. This oneness with Him is really what it is. This integrity to, to live that out on, on the outside, what we believe on the inside. These, these different things we feel on the inside. And so... This last part of, of the series of Daniel, uh, titled Unshakable, is, is how do we live out our faith without compromise? How, how do we live in a world that wants to silence us when talking about Jesus or wants us to lie or cheat or steal just a little bit? How do we do that? How do we live in a world that is trying to mold us to be like everyone else without judging or condemning others, without slander, without negativity, without complaining, without being swayed, without being conformed and without being shaken? How do we make godly decisions in the workplace when people are trying to be shady and draw us into those, godly, or those ungodly decisions? How do we share Christ with people when our job says that if you talk about Jesus, you're going to get fired? How do we share the gospel with people who might ridicule us? Some of us feel like we've been called to missions. How do, how do we go into a mission field where the people are hostile and they want to kill Christians? How do we live that out? When we're, we're torn apart on the inside, we want to do this, we want to act in faith, we want to obey God, we want to obey the scriptures, but, but inside we've got that fear and we're being ripped apart, internally divided. How do we live in integrity? How did, how did Daniel do it? We're going to go to the Word and, and find out our, our um, verses. Daniel 6, 1 through 13. It's mm, good water. So we're in the, we're in the book of Daniel 6. Um, Daniel is taken away in the, in the Babylonian captivity. He stays there for 70 years before Israel goes back to Jerusalem. This is towards the end. Daniel's up in his 80s. This is a, a period when he gets some more dreams. And um, Darius is the king, uh, the, the Medes and Persians. They're, a, they're an autocratic society. And what that means is that the king writes the law. But the way that the law is for them is once the king makes a decree that it is above. It is above the king. It is, it is elevated. So we'll see a little bit of that here. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 6. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. So, so already we see that these satraps are probably, if they're trying to steal, they're going to be a little bit upset at Daniel. They're going to say, well, I don't really like this dude already. He's like the hall monitor. You know, he's going to take my name and put checks by it and then get me in trouble. So I don't like this dude. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Other um, translations read that his exceptional spirit, as we saw in the previous chapter, that exceptional spirit is 
what they call the spirit of the gods. It's, it's the spirit of the Lord. It's, it, it's the spirit of God given Daniel these interpretations to dream. Given Daniel the wisdom that he needs. It's, it's Daniel drawing close and being devoted to God. And, and God really showing his favor and blessing in Daniel's life. <clears throat> and so... Through this, he's going to be set over the whole kingdom. He's going to have a status elevation that's going to affect all these other people who want that same status elevation. And, and, and also a role change. These, these things cause conflict. At this time, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel. And his conduct of government affairs. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So Daniel was a man of integrity. Daniel, Daniel lived out these things that he believed on the inside. Daniel lived out his faith. And through that faith in, in the, the one true God, he was honest. He was respectable. He was honorable. All these, these traits that, that we... Believed to be true, these things we value. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. So they start giving him some strokes. Oh, high king. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. So they're, they're just boosting this guy's ego, and we know that all makes us, and they're trying to manipulate him into to getting this decree to set up Daniel, who is a, a man of integrity, who loves his God, who lives his, his faith out loud. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned the decree had been published, that... Is, is amazing to me. It says, now when he had learned, he knew what was about to happen. He knew that this decree was going on. I wonder if he knew that they were conspiring against him and he didn't, he didn't step out to say, oh, no, 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 look at what they're doing and, and defend himself. But he trusted his God that he could live out his faith. So, so when he learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed. That's, a, that's pretty amazing. Giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Yeah, I, I, wonder, I wonder how often Daniel got into the, the place for 70 years, three times a day praying. If, if he did that every, every day for 70 years, or he was just going through the motions and, and just pushing through. Because there are a lot of times in, in, our, in, our, in my personal quiet time... Where it just feels like I'm, I love God and I'm devoted to God and I want that time with Him and I'm I'm seeking that time out with Him, but I'm not feeling it, you know. I'm not feel I'm not getting all this magnificent revelation through the Word, but I'm in there and I'm devoted and I love God and I want to be next to Him and I want to be close to Him and I really want to feel Him. I'm a, I'm a feely kind of person. I really want to feel God. It, it helps me to know that He's there with me. Katie's laughing because she's the same way. So three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group, the militia, and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. 
Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So Daniel's in trouble. Daniel knew what was going to happen. He knew that if he lived out his faith, if he lived in obedience to God, if he spent that time with the Lord in prayer, that he was going to get thrown into the lion's den. And that's it. It goes on to say the king tried to get him out. He was not successful. They, they put him in the lion's den. They rolled the stone over and it's dark in there. What we're going to look at today is how we live out that life of integrity in the face of all types of adversity. What characteristics there were in Daniel that, that we can see these godly characteristics and that we can apply to our own lives. And what kind of things make us sway from integrity, from the internal wholeness that God wants us to have. Our first point is Daniel was a man of integrity. It should be on your outlines. I've got to let you all know I struggle with the outline making and all that structure stuff and we had some nice gentlemen help me out a whole lot with this, this this week, which I'm very grateful for. Daniel was a man of integrity. Integrity. The Latin root word is integer, as we've spoken about before. And this is a wholeness or completeness. This is, this is us being one with God and that image of God in us and, and those morals and values we hold to be true. We all value things. But there are other things in life that, that try to get us to sway from that, to... to to change our mindset. We, we value things like honesty. We don't want to tell lies. We don't want people to lie to us. This is a value. This is something we believe is good. Kindness. We want people to be kind to us. And we don't want to slam other people. Even, even when they're being mean. You know, even when they're not being kind. We, we as a, a Christian people do or should value being kind to other people even in the face of persecution. Faith. We will seek to live out our faith out loud, like Jesus did. We all want to be like Jesus, going around laying hands on the sick and raising the dead. I mean, I want to be like that. We, we believe that obedience to God's will is something good. That Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. We believe that theft is wrong, even if it's stealing a pencil. We all believe that we are created in the image of God. In that there is so much. We, we believe that... We are all God's creation, that we all have a purpose, that God loves us. No matter what our, our ethnic background, our skin color, no, no matter what, that we are all created in the image of God. <clears throat> we believe in forgiveness. There are so many things that we value we, that we should seek to forgive, but there, there's a lot of them are hard to live out. You know, it's hard to forgive somebody that, that treated us bad as a kid for all our life that we're supposed to love. We're hard, it's hard to forgive people who, I mean cut us off in, in the lane in front of us. Just all these things, are, they're so hard to do. And, and it's through this pressure and this heat that God takes us through in life, these circumstances, these hard times when we're trying to live out our faith, not just out loud up on the stage, but out there in the streets. It's difficult. Can you all agree that that's difficult to live out our faith, to, to live as, as Christ wants us to live? <clears throat> so what do we face? Our second point is fear will cause us to become internally divided or divided internally. <clears throat> Psalm 11, 1 through 3 says, In the Lord I take refuge. 
How then can you say to me, flee like a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bows. They set their arrows against the strings to shoot from the shadows at the upright in heart. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? So it's fear. Fear will cause us to become internally divided. The enemy will draw that bow and say, are you sure you want to get up there? Are you sure you want to do that call to worship? And it will try to move us out of that faith, that foundation that we stand on, and change our path. The, the enemy will draw that bow even when... when I'm up here on the stage and, and say, oh, these people don't want to hear you, you know. Or when we're out there and, and, and God puts somebody on our heart, that person might reject you. That person, that person might laugh at you if you go and pray with them. Fear will cause us to become internally divided. Fear will cause us to lie. Yeah, I see it with my children the most and I, and I reflect and I've seen it in my own life. Did, Lizzie, did you do that? No. I don't want to get in trouble. So I'm a lie. You know, she doesn't understand it completely. If one thing I've kind of struggled to share. Uh, I went to um, Pensacola the other day, and I know the Harley-Davidson dealership is over there. So I went to Harley-Davidson, and um, I called Katie, and I said, Babe, I can't go in the Harley-Davidson dealership anymore. And she, I could hear in her tone she's kind of upset. And I said, oh, I better make up a good one. So I said, I bought four, four motorcycles. And she laughed, and I said, it's really just a helmet. You know, but it was, it was, it was fear. I was afraid I was going to get in trouble, so I told a little lie. But fear will cause us to become internally divided, you know? The boss asks why you're late, and you say, oh, I know I hit the snooze button five or six times and then finally turned it off, but what really happened is the power went off, boss, and, you know, fear. Fear will cause us to become internally divided. What happened to your assignment? Oh, you know, um... My computer, we got a surge, a lightning surge, and it was something. It was a natural disaster. It was, it was something big that I could not control. It. Fear. Fear will cause us to become internally divided. Also, on more of a practical thing, is somebody, a, a brother asks, how you doing? And you say, I'm fine. Knowing that you're all jacked up inside. That all your relationships are struggling. That you're struggling with pornography. You're struggling with alcohol addiction. You're struggling with drug addiction. You're struggling in every area of your life, but I'm fine. It's fear that does that. Fear that the shame will be revealed. That these things inside of us that we're ashamed of will be revealed. That part in us that we don't like about ourselves will be revealed to somebody else. It's fear that holds us back from opening up and saying, I'm, I'm not fine. Man, I'm jacked up. I feel like a, a pile of sludge laying on the ground getting kicked around with no bones in it. It's, it's fear that will cause us to lie. Fear will cause us to steal. Fear that the bills aren't going to get paid. So maybe we'll cheat on our taxes a little bit and have that little bit extra money to pay back this little bit extra debt. It's so easy. They'll never know. Just write it in. I keep all my stuff on paper. Oh, fear will cause us to, if our kids are sick, to, to embezzle. Fear will cause us, if, if, the, if the boss is saying, we're going to do this scheme, we're going to, we're going to, jack, we're going to, we're going to steal from these people, and if you don't do it, then you're going to be fired. Oh, if I get fired, then, then we'll lose our house. Then, then my kids won't have food. They might die. If, if my kids get sick, they might die. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to do what's right here. Fear will cause us to become internally divided. Fear will cause us to steal. Fear will lead to prejudice. And, and fear, we believe that everyone's created in the image of God. But in fear, we'll say, well, those people don't deserve the same... Uh, benefits that we deserve. Those people, we can't put that refugee camp here. What if they come into our homes? What if they mess with our kids? What if they, they build a mosque? What if they worship 
Allah or something like that. Fear of, oh, we don't understand. You know, I, I think about the people, the illegal immigrants coming over. They broke the law. They came over. But if I and my family was in a place like Honduras and the drug cartel came and they said, your kids, they're going to run drugs for us. They're going to smuggle drugs cross borders. They're going to be our mules. And you are going to work for us. You're going to be our assassin from now on. And if you don't do it, we're going to kill you. We're going to kill your family. You know what I would do? I would jump that fence. I would break that law. And I would go and I'd plead for amnesty. I would, I would ask for help. But that would be better. That would be better to me than having my kids run drugs. Fear will cause us to say, no, you can't come in and mess up our economy. No, you're just coming and sending money back and you're going to ruin our economy, which is going to ruin my job, which is going to once again put me out of my house and my kids won't have food and they'll probably die. But love and faith says, love these people. Love people. Just because just they don't look like you, that don't matter. Love them. God says, love them. All people are created in the image of God. And, and when we live that out, that belief out on the outside, it looks like that. It might be hard. People are different. We stand, we stand different uh, measurements between each other when we talk. You know what I mean? I, I like to stand like a, I got a certain space. I like to stand apart from people when I talk. Some other people of different cultures like to stand a little bit closer until it makes me uncomfortable. And I'm like this, and they keep coming, moving forward. And I'm like this, and they keep moving forward. And I'm like, all right, well, let's just touch elbows. You know, that'll, that'll be good. We'll just touch elbows. It, now, it's, it's, it's a fear that it makes us not want to move into that. It, it causes us to become internally divided. And, and the enemy's back there with his, his, his bow. And the arrow's strung, just shooting off these lies. You know, they're, they're going to take your home. Be afraid. They're going to reject you. Be afraid. They're going to hurt you. They're going to attack you. It's these, these arrows of fear. Fear will keep us from sharing the gospel. The fear of man, this is something that God has really been working on me a lot about. The fear of God and the fear of man. And I always thought about the fear of God. Oh God, I'm so afraid of you. But that's not it. The fear of man is that I I want to please man. That I seek approval. That I'm wanting to dress and look in a certain way that that I get your approval. That you accept me. That you don't reject me. That's the fear of man. The fear of man will cause us when God is putting somebody on our heart to minister to, to go up and, and, and share that word that God has put in our heart with them, to go and pray for them. The, the, the fear of man will say, They're gonna, they don't need you. Just pray for them in, in your spirit. Say, they're going to be just fine on their own. They're going to they're gonna do all right. Don't you worry about them. And, and the enemy's got the... It's going to be just fine. They're going to be all right. And God's saying, God's saying, I love this person. I love this person so much. And you have no idea what they're going through. Lord, if, if, you'll, just, if you'll just go to them and just say, hey, um, I, see, I, I feel like you're struggling. Or, or, or hey, I, I want to pray for you. And we don't have to go and beat them over the head with the Bible. You're in sin. You're in sin. You're in sin. But the fear of man will keep us from... From sharing that gospel and from praying and reaching out to people. The fear of God seeks the approval of God in the same way the fear of man seeks the approval of man. If we fear God, we will seek his approval. We'll seek that, well done, my good and faithful servant. Isn't that what we all really want? But we're so torn on the inside. I know I am. 
I, I want to be loved and accepted and understood. I want you guys to love me. But, but more than that, I want God to love me and approve me in that last day. I want to say what He wants me to say. That's the, the fear of God seeks His approval. So it's not just in the streets. What about, I know, I know one person, he, I don't think he's here right now, but he works at a place where he will be fired if he talks about Jesus. It's a, a government building. And if he goes and just starts talking about Jesus to everybody, they will fire him. So, should we do that? Say, oh, that's just, that's just silly. And, and, our, and as a new Christian, I would have said, yeah, just do it. It doesn't matter. You do it anyways. In my immaturity and zealousness for the Lord. In my religious... Religiousness. I would, oh, yeah, yeah, do it. But wisdom says, no, there's a better way. There's a better way. Pray, ask God for wisdom. Say to that person, hey, um, you like to go out to lunch today? You want to get some coffee? You want to come over and, and um, bring the kids to play? You want, you want to make a, a play date with the kids? You got kids? You want, you want to go out and shoot some pool? You want to go bowling? Or, or whatever, ladies, you don't want to go paint each other's fingernails or something like that? I, yeah, I don't know. And, and there's, there's ways around it. We don't have to, to wear a Jesus hat all the time in, in these places where we're not supposed to wear. Like if we went to a Muslim nation, we're not going to go over there and say, Jesus, Jesus, everybody, every, you know, and, and, and throw it on them like that. Because we'll get killed. We'll get beheaded. We want to be wise about it. We want to seek relationships and build relationships. The, the, the kingdom is like that. It's a relational kingdom. The very nature of God, He is relational in Himself. Before anything, God was in a relationship with, the, the, with Himself. The, the, the unity, the, the, the trinity. So, if we look back through history, there are some, some men and women of God who chose faith instead of fear. Martin Luther was a uh, lawyer, steeped in rhetoric, and he was drawn into the church and uh, convicted by God's righteousness and fear, but he got into reading the Word, and he saw all these things, that it's, it's, it's faith brings one to salvation, not works. And so he had this thing called the 95 Thesis, and he took it and he, he nailed it on the door of the church house. What if, what if he would have fell to fear there? It, that changed the entire world. Everything we know here was affected by that one moment. That one moment. I bet the enemy had his, his bow drawn back and the arrows were flying. Don't do it, 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 don't do it. They're going to kill you. But he acted in faith, not fear. There's a man named William Carey. Uh, the Baptist Church, this man, William Carey, was a young man, and he read Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20. It's the Great Commission. That's what we call the Great Commission. Go out into all the nations and make disciples. And this man said, God wants us to go and save these people. God wants, to go, wants us to go and share the gospel in these places so that he can save them. And he stood up before the church, and they said, sit down, young man. When God wants to save those heathens, he will do it without you. Huh. It seems crazy to us now, but that was, that was the mindset back then. And he said, no, I, I'm not going to accept that. God is, God is working on my heart about this thing. So he wrote a book and got it published. And so that's where the first Protestant missions came from, the Baptist mission, Missions Convention, which has done a lot. What about Martin Luther King Jr.? He saw that there were problems in the world, that the, 
the American people was separated and that the African American people were oppressed. And he stood up, a man of God, stood up. And think about the fear he must have had when they were threatening his family, his wife and children. I don't know if I could have done it. Bricks flying, Molotov cocktails, death threats. But I believe this was a man who stood for God what was right. We're all created in the image of God. We believe in honesty. We believe in the Lord. He, he trusted God. When we live like that, we're going to wind up in some lion's dens. Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa was a nun and she saw these sick people out here. The, the arrows are flying. What if you get sick and die? And she's a woman who encourages so many of us by choosing faith and not fear. That brings us to our second point. Role conflict can cause us to become internally divided. What is a role? We all hold many roles in life. I'm I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a small business owner. I'm a youth pastor. I'm a preacher today. and, And there are all these different roles that we hold. And sometimes these roles can come in conflict. Let's say um, a man holds the role of godly husband and father and elder in the church. And he's also in a business. In a business where every day his co-workers are trying to draw him into doing different things. That, that causes a, a role conflict because we're in these different roles in life that play these different things. And we can become internally divided because of role conflict. Or, or a woman who is a, a godly woman. And, and she also plays a, a role in the nail salon where there's, excuse me, where there's a lot of gossip going on and slander. So that can cause us to become divided. One of the, the things that happens here is that uh, compartmentalization, that we'll compartmentalize. We'll say, well, here I'm a, a man of God and I'm a, a dad. And over here in my place of work, I'm a business owner. I'm a shrewd and I'm a shady man and I'm, I'm looking to get money. And, and sometimes we don't even see it happen and fe- know it's happening on the inside. But, but we're so divided that we're living basically two lives. It's hypocrisy. It's, it's two-faced. And what God wants us to do is live that one thing together in the midst of pain and pressure and heat. And he wants to bring us into oneness with him. To live out that stuff on the inside. Or, or the woman is in conflict and, and she, might, she might say in her mind, well, I'll be this one person here. But over here at the nail salon, I can gossip all I want. I can do whatever I want. And then, then, and then basically, the, the next thing is rationalization. That maybe she'll rationalize. Oh, well, while we're over there, we're, we're solving people's problems. That person needs to know what they're doing, and we're going to talk about it until we figure out how to solve it. Or the man will say, you know, if I don't, if I don't step into this shady business deal, then I might get fired. I might get fired, so I probably should do that. Or, you know what, even though if, if I make all this extra money, that's 20 grand. I'll give away half of it to the church. I'll spend some of it on charity. I'll give it to my favorite charity. I'll give, I'll give a little bit of it away. And then my kids will have a good Christmas. And that's good. That'll be fine. That'll be just fine. Yeah, that'll be good. Rationalization and justification. It's not good. It's not fine. Also, the next point, a change of status can cause us to become internally divided. A, a status is, um, we've got some very clear statuses of the American people, you know, uh, low class, middle class, middle upper class, upper class, all this stuff. But there are also statuses, like in, in my own life, I went from, status of a, a homeless junkie to person in recovery 
to a person on a school bus ministry, to a, a dad. and a, a These are all status change, vertical status change, up to the elevation of, of you know, my wife and I are youth pastors. It's a status change in the eyes of the people. In the church, there are different statuses. And these can cause internal conflict. They can also cause external conflict, like we saw in the life of Daniel and the 120 satraps, that when he was elevated to the status that other people desired that status, and they, they wanted to snuff him out. They wanted to find something that was wrong with him. They wanted to pressure him down. But on the inside, this can really, really affect us. We can see that Daniel did not allow the status to affect him. In the previous chapter in, in Daniel 5, when um, Belteshazzar told him that he was going to give him a reward and clothe him in linen, that he said, you can keep your gifts and you can keep that place in the kingdom. I, I don't even want it. I'm not about that. I'm about serving my God. Daniel always gave the status to God. Oh, you got this exceptional spirit. You can interpret dreams. Oh, my God can that's my God's status. I'm a servant. My God has this status. It's, it's not false humility to give God the glory. It, that's, that's humility. That's giving God the honor. That's, Jesus Christ gave glory to the Father. The Holy Spirit in us glorifies the Son, which glorifies the Father. It's a, it's a passing that status on. It's giving glory to the one who deserves it, to the one who can handle it. Jesus held many roles in his life, in his ministry on earth. Jesus was a teacher. Jesus was the, you know, the teacher, the rabbi. Jesus was a healer. Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus was the king. Jesus was the son of God. But his status was of a servant. He kept the lowly side. He said, I don't come to be served, but to serve. Sure, he's God. He could have said, come serve me, and made lightning come down, and people burn up and stuff. But he said, I come to serve. It's the lowly status of a servant. And it's so easy to get it, it twisted in the mindset. You know, taking leadership roles in the church or in the business or whatever, that I'm the leader, I, I lead the way, but really the, the best leader is a servant. What if our government officials saw themselves as servants? Servants of the people. Wouldn't that be amazing? What if we as Christians saw ourselves every day and acted it out as servants? Not lording our position over people, but serving. Peter had an issue with status. In Galatians 2, 11-13, we read where, where Paul had to go and, and confront Peter. Where, where Peter had went off to eat with the Jews when he was eating with the Gentiles before because the Jews held a higher status, especially in, in Peter's mind. These Jews had a higher status, and so that status got to Peter, and he said, oh, I don't know. Go over here with my statified brothers. You know, the stratified and statified. And, and, and it was a, a division on the inside because Peter taught that all, all things were clean as God had showed to him that, that the Gentiles, and, and we're all one, we're all one body in Christ. It's, we're all part of Israel through adoption. And, and that status there, it just tugs at us. Ooh, that nice car, give me some more status. Those nice clothes and nice shoes, a little bit more status. I could put... I could put some rockets on the back of my motorcycle and get a little status. I mean, I'm joking, but, you know, it, that's, that's kind of the, did not hit, they didn't hit. No. But it affects us internally, the status. Throughout history, we can see it in um, the, the See of Rome, the, the Bishop of Rome in the early church. So there were different sees or seats. And there was a bishop in each place that would kind of oversee 
the, the church there. And, and, and in Rome, they would come and congregate as a synod of bishops. But this bishop in Rome always had an extraordinary spirit about him. He was uh, wise and understanding and, and, and would even, when it got real crazy, call in the reinforcements. Without going too far into it, when, when the uh, church was divided and Constantine created Constantinople, he was basically the leader there. There was a vacuum of power and he was kind of the leader there. And so he was elevated to an even higher status. And, and through the different bishops of Rome, then became the pope. And, and so this status was an elevation change. You know, you know it was um, brought on not only by the people, but by the person himself. Also, here in our culture, actors and athletes have this high status in our minds. So we go to them, to them for political advice. You know? And, and, and we look to, to people on TV to give us advice of, of all this stuff. And, and, and it's a status. We, we look to that status. So, so we can either look to other people's statuses or, or the, our own status will divide us internally when we as Christians need to hold that mindset that we have the status of a servant. So how did Daniel do all this? Our next point, Daniel was devoted to God. True devotion is out of love, not religion. It's it's easy to slip in a religious practice, a religious mindset, a religious zeal. You know, a devotion out of religion will cause a person to go around and slam other people who are not doing it just right like like we are. And I think we all, I know I went through those stages. I think especially as a young believer that we'll go through those stages. But sometimes it never, it never moves out of that. It stays there. It's my religious devotion. And even though we're saved by faith, that there's a part of us on the inside that's saying it's by works, it's by what we do. And you're not measuring up to what I do, so I'm going to slam you a little bit for that. Daniel's devotion was out of love. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. It's out of love. It's, it's like the, the love we have for our kid. We, we love them and are devoted to them. We'll do anything we can for them. It's that same love of drawing near them. They love us and they're, they're devoted. They want, they want us to be happy. They want us to approve of them. Our children do. And so we can have that same love and devotion for our father that even though it doesn't feel just right right now, that we can continue to serve him. Yeah, Daniel, Daniel knew God. Daniel drew close to God. He was, he was blessed and highly favored. And it's not that he was any more special than anybody else except for he just drew close to God. Like David. David had a heart for God. And so God loved that. You know, we all, if we got kids, that kid, that's like uh, when Lizzie, I come in and she said, Daddy. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's just the most special thing about her in the world. You know? And, and, and I think that when... Our relationship to God is like that. Oh, Daddy. Oh, Lord, I love you. You know, even if we're not feeling, oh, I, I had a bad day today or I had a great day today. And just being open in that relationship and love and obedience, that devotion to God. Daniel was devoted to God to a point that he was willing to die to live his faith out loud. Daniel knew that the decree had been signed. Daniel wasn't willing to give up his time with God. He went to pray anyways. He gave thanks. He asked God for help. And he prayed. Daniel was willing to give his life. That's, that's a divine love right there. That's a love and compassion that only God can place in us. Because we are selfish. 
We are born selfish. Daniel knew God and God revealed himself to Daniel in dreams and secrets. And, and when we draw close to God, God will reveal himself to us. It, those times when we're so dry and so bare and we're not getting anything out of the word, we just continue on. God, I love you and I'm going to spend time with you. He will, he will shine these glimmers of light through the darkness. And he will just open our mind and he will refresh us and he will revive us on the inside. Our next point. Daniel was thankful. In his time of trouble, Daniel gave thanks to God. Daniel, I'm, I'm sure, pled with God often, but Daniel was thankful. A lot of times whenever it gets real bad, we have a tendency to say, oh, it's all bad. It's all horrible. It's all jacked up. The wall's around. As I, as I, Katie says to me whenever I start getting complaining, she says, and the walls are brown. I said, they are brown in my office. But... Daniel was thankful. We come with a heart of gratitude and it it really lifts our spirits. Next point. Daniel feared God, not man. Daniel did not seek the approval of other other men. Daniel sought the approval of God. And this is a a hard thing to walk through. This is something that we're all, I believe, going to have to walk through. And we can't do it on our own. In this last two weeks, I've been going through it so heavy that I was just in knots on the inside. Two weeks of it, in knots on the inside. Being torn apart and saying, God, I don't want to feel like this. I don't want to seek the approval of man. I want your approval. And I'm just being torn and I say, God, help me. I can't do it. And so he started working. Help me. I can't do it. And he started working. He wants us to ask him. For help. So next point. Daniel trusted God. I said, Daniel went and asked God for help. When that, when that door was shut on the lion's den, Daniel trusted God. Daniel wasn't paranoid about all the people trying to set, set him up. Daniel trusted God. Daniel continued to serve God even though the verdict was passed. Daniel trusted God. Daniel didn't freak out and run for the hills, and he did not seek to defend himself in this attack from his accusers. God defended him. And it did. In the end, those people were thrown up in the lion's den. I don't, I don't know if that would have been my first thing you know, to do, but God is, God is God, and he is good. Daniel lived out his faith. We can see all through this, all through the book of Daniel, Daniel lived out his faith. Early on, he made an oath to God. I'm going to live in devotion to you. I love you. And and God blessed him and gave him favor. Our last point. When we live a life of integrity, sharing the gospel, living out our faith, standing for what is right, and living with the same integrity Daniel did, we will end up in the lion's den. We will end up in the lion's den. Everything will be threatened. We will end up in the lion's den. The enemy will have the arrow, the bow drawn back, aimed at us, aimed at our minds, try to sway us, try to get us off course from what God is doing. And all we know is where God wants us to go next. We will end up in that place where there are roaring lions seeking to devour us. There will be fear. And we have to make a choice in that place. Do I choose fear or do I choose faith? God, help me deal with this fear that I have. And he will help us. In that pressure and in that heat, 
will be compressed and will be pressed. We'll be pressed closer to him. There is no time that a believer prays more than when we are facing lion's den type of times. There is no time that we pray more and seek after God more and ask for help more and get in the word more than we are confronted with a place of, of getting up on a stage or having to go and pray for somebody. You know, if, if somebody impresses our heart, if God puts somebody on our heart, we're walking down the street. We start praying, oh God, you sure, you know, you help me, I don't know if I want to do this. God will put people on our hearts. God might even be putting somebody on your heart right now. Right now. Will you live in faith? Will you live with integrity like Daniel did? Will you love and obey God, even if you might get thrown in the lion's den? Even if death awaits you, will you choose faith? We're going to go into a time of prayer and then open up the um, altars. We have some leaders around the front. And Tony's going to play a song. But you all pray with me. Lord Jesus, we love you. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for the guidance you give us. We thank you for the gift of faith. We thank you for your spirit, for your power that helps us to live out this life that we cannot do on our own. Lord, we can't do it. We need your help. But on our own, we just try and try and run into brick walls, Lord God. So we choose not to live on our own power. We choose to rely on your power, Lord God. Hi. Thanks so much for taking time to tune in and listen to the message today through Freedom Online. Uh, we would love to, the opportunity to meet you personally anytime that you're in our area. But if today you heard something that really connected or that maybe you've got questions about, you'd like to talk with somebody or have someone pray with you, we'd love to hear back from you. You can reach us in a couple of different ways. You'll find on the website a contacts link. You can contact me or any member of our leadership directly. Or you can call us at the number that you see on the website or at the bottom of the screen now. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope that you have a great week.